You're listening to Deep Dives with Sharks, a shark podcast focused on shark species, shark safety both for you and the sharks, and news from the past couple weeks. Sit back, relax, it's time to take a dive. Hello and welcome back, my fellow shark heroes, to another episode of Deep Dives with Sharks. I am the host here. My name is Alex, and if this is your first time listening, welcome to the podcast. And if you're coming back, well, welcome back. I'm happy to have you here. The shark that we're going to be going over this week actually came from a request from one of my Instagram followers who goes by Sapphire on their page. I was really excited to see that they participated in the polls in the past and also on the comment box that I threw up on my story as well. And I'll be sure to do more of that. So if there's any other sharks you guys want me to go over or if there's any questions you have or anything of that sort, feel free to reach out on the social media, which once again, as always, is at Deep Dives with Sharks on Instagram or on Twitter, which is Deep Dive Sharks. The whole name did not fit in the handle, but we'll work on it. Of course, if you guys have any questions, comments, concerns, go send them over that way. Feel free to send me a DM if I don't have any comment boxes up in my stories, and I'll be happy to answer them or go over any sharks that you guys have. Now on to the shark for this week. It's going to be the nurse shark, and this is a fairly common species of shark to be found around coast and at aquariums. So if you've been to an aquarium, there's a solid chance you have seen this shark. I can say that it is for sure at the Baltimore Aquarium, which I've been to. I believe it's at the Georgia Aquarium, although I can't remember 100% for sure. I've definitely seen it at the Florida Aquarium and the Clearwater Marine Aquarium as well, although the Clearwater Marine Aquarium is mostly for rehabilitating and then hopefully re-releasing animals, except for someone had the nurse shark there as a pet and realized that they couldn't take care of it, so they had to send it somewhere, and it ended up at Clearwater. So once again... As a little reminder, don't own a shark if you don't have the space or if you've heard that sharks won't outgrow their habitat because the 13-foot shark is going to outgrow many aquariums. So just do your research before you own any animal. Easy enough. But these sharks, they have two dorsal fins and two pectoral fins. Many sharks don't have a second dorsal fin like the great white wooden, but their two pectoral fins are going to be on either side of their body, and that's fairly commonplace for many sharks. Their fins are rounded rather than being more pointy, so they're not going to be as pointy as the silky shark was. And they do have two anal fins, which are towards their tail, so some sharks don't have that either. Their heads also tend to be a little bit wider with a blunt nose, similar to the bull shark or the tiger shark, but very unlike that of a poor beagle or a great white. They tend to have more pointy noses. They do also have two barbels that hang below their noses, which help with finding prey. So it's kind of an extension of their ampullae of Lorenzi or those sensors that a shark has in its nose to detect their prey. Now, for those of you that don't know what a barbel is, it's the same thing that a catfish has. So they just hang off their face a little bit. Now, nurse sharks tend to be about 3.08 meters long or 10 and a half feet. Some specimens were found to be closer to 15 feet or 4.5 meters, but that's kind of rare as they are usually a lot smaller than that. They tend to weigh around 330 kilograms or 750 pounds, but this of course is also at the higher end of the range, so they'll be a little bit smaller than that. They're also in the same genus as the whale shark, which I covered in episode 4, and the zebra shark, which they do have a very similar resemblance to, and I covered those in the very first episode of this podcast, which 
little sidebar, I do want to thank you guys so much for all the support and listening and everything like that because I used to just annoy my friends by shouting shark facts at them, which also shout out to any of my friends that know me IRL and listen to this. You guys are amazing. Also, I just said IRL instead of in real life. That's cool. But (laughs) I want to thank you guys so much for listening and following along and everything because I didn't think I'd get to tell shark facts to people around the world, and that is just absolutely crazy to me. So thank you guys so much for listening and being here. But to get back on track, these sharks are found commonly around the coast of the northern half of South America, so around Brazil and higher, and they go all through Central America, including the Gulf of Mexico, and then the east coast of the United States, although they are in Southern California as well. Now, they are more threatened in areas of Africa, around Liberia to Morocco, and they show up a little bit next to France and Spain, so they're going to be a little bit around Europe as well. Now, there is a lot of debate as to how the nurse shark got its name, but according to National Geographic, it could be for a few reasons. This includes the sucking motion that the shark uses while hunting and eating prey, and prey, sorry, this resembles a nursing baby. There's also an archaic word, nuse, which means cat shark. There's also an old English word, hearse, meaning seafloor shark, and that's spelled H-U-R-S-E, which Google is unhappy that I spelled hearse wrong, but that's how it's spelled. But the nurse shark typically dwells in shallow waters among coral reefs and grass beds and mangroves when they are young, but as they get older, they tend to venture deeper and they move to those deeper reefs and rocky areas. Now, they're typically tan or brown, ranging in color between the two, although some species will develop piebaldism, which is better known as a pigment disorder that causes a more speckled look, a little bit lighter tan color to them. These sharks hunt during the night and are opportunistic feeders, similar to many other sharks, and their diet is pretty similar as well, eating stingrays, mollusks, and other crustaceans. Now, a little bit different from other sharks, these guys use a sucking motion to almost inhale their prey. If the prey is too large to eat in one go, they will do what scientists have called the spit and suck motion, to break prey into smaller bits, so they just kind of get whipped in and out of the shark's mouth until they're small enough to be eaten, which of the ways to go sounds pretty terrible. It's kind of like being on the slingshot ride at carnivals, but it's a giant shark eating you instead. Now, during the day, these sharks will form large sedentary groups for sleeping and protection, but they hunt solo at night. These sharks typically return to the same reef to rest and mate, which is very uncommon of many sharks. These sharks also tend to get along with many other shark species, as there's not as much competition among the sharks they share the habitat with. Nurse sharks tend to go for fish that are in the uh, or other sea life buried under the sand, while white tip and black tip reef sharks, wobegongs, and other reef shark species tend to go for fish that are swimming by. Nurse sharks are also prey to American alligators, which is wild to me because I can't imagine an alligator eating a shark, but evidently they inhabit the same areas of coastal Florida and interact pretty frequently. Now I'm going to butcher this next fact, or at least the pronunciation. They are also ovoviviparous. I somehow got it. I had to put that out in the pronunciation because, oh my God, that word has so many syllables, (laughs) but all that means is that the eggs will hatch inside the mommy shark and then she gives birth later. She can give birth to 21 to 29 pups in a litter, which is huge. The pups are born only about 30 centimeters long, which is about 11 inches. Now, very unlike the zebra shark, which has very few bites with humans, 
Due to their deeper water habitats and the teeth set further back in their mouth, the nurse shark is the fourth highest amount of shark, uh, shark on human bites. Because divers and snorkelers go, oh, cool, a shark, I'ma touch it, and then they get bit. I literally saw a TikTok the other day where a guy was talking about cooking up some urchin, or however you prepare it. In mid-video, dude just yanks a nurse shark out of a hole by its tail, like I'm waiting for the update video where he's missing some fingers, because what in the world is he doing? I did also comment, next video you're going to get bit if you keep pulling nurse sharks by the tail like that, and he actually liked it, so find that kind of funny. <laughs> but according to the Florida Museum and AZ Animals, these sharks don't bite unless provoked. And because of their small mouths, they may be unable to unclamp on whatever part of you they bit. So it will require surgery to get them off, which involves killing the shark. So you're doubly a jerk if you get bit and require surgery to remove a nurse shark because you got to kill the shark. Which also, I cannot wait for the day when I have to call myself a jerk for getting bit by a nurse shark because I guarantee I'm one day going to see a shark and get way too excited. But... That is what I have for the nurse shark. If there's anything else you want to know about them or anything you think I left out, please feel free to send me a DM over on Instagram or anything like that, and I'll be happy to cover that. Now, moving on to the shark safety portion of the podcast once again, this week I figured, you know, why not go over how not to provoke a shark to bite you? I talk about it all the time. Sharks usually don't bite unless provoked, and I usually talk about how to see if one's going to bite you or what their pattern's doing, but... I also usually say just don't mess with a shark, but what if you're just kind of hanging out and you don't realize you're doing a behavior that will provoke a shark? So this one is brought to us by the Florida Fish and Wildlife because Florida has plenty of sharks. So I'm not entirely surprised that Florida has put out a statement about not letting sharks bite you. Now this one's going to be a little bit of a recap as well from all the shark safety segments because it's both simple and very complicated for a lot of reasons. First of all being that the same with humans, every individual is going to act different. Think of maybe a neighbor that might drive you nuts. You guys are the same species, both homo sapiens, but you couldn't be more different from you personality-wise. Same way that I'm probably going to act different than a human on the other side of the earth. We all just have different personalities. And the same goes for sharks. Nurse sharks may act very similar, but individually, they're going to be different. So while one nurse shark can get pulled out of a hole by a tail, another one is going to make it very angry, and it's going to turn around and bite you. So just depends on which shark you get. It's going to go from there. But there are bull sharks that will never bite anyone, and then there's also a bull shark that once swam up the Delaware River and bit five people, if I remember correctly. So even among species, it's hard to accurately predict what a shark will do, but for the most part, they'll be timid around humans or they'll be curious what we are. But back on track, there are some things you can do to not provoke a shark to bite you. First of all, being in a group. It's better than swimming solo. Sharks can see large groups as a no-go because they cannot weed out the weakest or injured fish, thinking that you might be a large fish, and typically will leave it alone. If you're swimming alone, as many tend to do, try not to get too far from shore. The more isolated and alone you look to a shark, the more likely they are to investigate you further. Now, I do swim alone sometimes, but I tend to not go past my stomach or the waterline there. But if you remember from one of our news stories from last episode, a shark can still swim into the shallows and I'm always looking out for them when I am alone. Not because I'm afraid to be bit, but I, mean, I just really want to see a shark. I mean, I run a shark podcast. It's <laughs> not too surprising there that I want to see a shark. Now, of course, if I do see a shark, I'm probably getting out the water pretty quick. Many sharks do hunt at dawn, dusk, and during the nighttime when visibility is low, so they aren't detected by their prey. 
it's incredibly hard to see a shark in low light, so you most likely won't be able to see them coming, which is very dangerous. So I would stay out of the ocean at night, unless an expert tells you otherwise, but I haven't heard a single argument for going diving in the ocean at night. Shiny things are also a no-go. Not only because it will distract the member of your group who has ADHD, which as a member of the group who has ADHD, shiny things are terribly distracting, but also because it can resemble fish scales, reflecting sunlight, and bring the shark closer. Also adding on to this point, the mermaid tails that you see. Don't wear those if you're going snorkeling or diving. I don't think I really have to say this, but you look like a fish, and you will be treated like a fish by other fish and other predators. Also, if your kid is learning how to swim and you put them in five feet of water with a mermaid tail at the pool, the lifeguards will hate you. Speaking as a former lifeguard who disliked those who put their five-year-old in a mermaid tail and went off drinking, but I digress. That wasn't very shark-related, but still. Try not to swim in areas where fishing is occurring. So as mentioned in episode one, uh, the sharks are attracted to areas where injured fish are losing their minds because they're sending all signals to say, I'm a super easy snack right now. Come eat me. And when they're trying for a meal and they see someone swimming and aren't sure what they are, they take a bite or in best case scenario, they're going to nudge you to figure out what you are. So there's a good chance you're going to get bit and it's just not the best idea to be around any of that. Same thing if you see waters being chummed or any other fishing practices, just go somewhere else. Or if you see someone doing that where a bunch of people are swimming, maybe go let them know that's not a great idea. Now, murky waters are also going to require more caution, and that's simply just due to limited visibility. Now, of course, as I mentioned before, the waters over in Ocean City out here in Maryland, they tend to be rather murky. It's very hard to see. You really can't get past your knee and still see your feet. So that's one where you got to be careful, just kind of keep vigilant, and most likely you're not going to know the sharks there anyway, and it's not going to bite you. But just be careful if you see fish moving around, anything like that, birds diving nearby, you might want to move. And people also often think that seeing dolphins means 100% that there are not sharks around, which I too was someone under that assumption until fairly recently, actually. But dolphins and sharks have similar prey. So if there's dolphins nearby, there's a solid chance there's a shark nearby too. It might not be a big shark, but a shark nonetheless. Now, contrasting colors should also be avoided because uneven tans go as well. Sharks' eyes are drawn to sudden color changes and usually indicating that a fish is among a coral reef, among the sand, something like that. So if they see a sudden change in color, so like you've got a yellow next to a blue, they tend to kind of notice that a lot more. So if you're wearing a very bright bathing suit, might not want to go too deep into the water. Now, try not to swim with pets either. I did mention this in the past as well, as the erratic movements attract sharks. So if Sparky is thrashing around in the water and you're splashing with him, shark's going to be like, ooh, injured meal, and come right up to you guys. And avoid swimming in areas between sandbars. This is where fish tend to hang out, as more nutrients tend to be there, and it creates a nice channel, which means lots of fish, therefore probably more sharks. Now, don't stay in the water if a shark has been sighted always go with what the lifeguard says so if it's been a few hours and the lifeguard says you should be all right should be all right but if the lifeguard says hey you probably shouldn't get back in today probably don't it's better just maybe dip your feet in go from there maybe not even that of course always go with what the lifeguard says and i know that in multiple places like over in the bahamas and in florida where i've seen them they do fly a purple flag when they have seen any sort of marine life so in our case when we were in the bahamas 
was because there were stingrays in the area and they tend to stay in the area that was roped off so they kind of understand what's going on as the cruise ships come by and they don't really want to be around people and when the ray went over towards the rope it actually did swim away once someone was nearby so they are pretty skittish as well they don't really know what humans are going to do and rays and sharks usually aren't out just to mess people up so <laughs> always trying to make sure but it's always better to be safe than sorry so it's always good to check with the lifeguard first if they tell you you're great and you're golden and you're good to go go ahead have a great day if not then just tan for a little while or go do something else come back later Lastly, I also want to emphasize, do not harass sharks. I've said it a million times. I will say it a billion more. If a shark is vibing, don't bother it. You can observe it, maybe ask it a question, probably won't answer you, or understand what you're saying. But don't touch it unless it's getting too close and you need to push it away. As I've mentioned in the past, if a shark does get too close to you, simply give it that little push, gentle push, and as my friend Jason said, the nice little zen yoga push. You don't have to go hard with it, because if you slap or punch a shark, it's not going to go that well. Now, of course, don't give it a little baby touch. You want to give it a little bit of force, but not to the point where you're beating up a shark, because then it's going to come back and be angry at you. The same way, as I mentioned before, if your friend punches you, you tend to get frustrated, and you want to hit him back. But I feel that these are pretty simple rules to go by. Of course, if you are doing any of these things or if you have a pet that loves the water, anything like that, once again, just be visible and if the or vigilant, I should say. And if the shark is approaching anything like that, then just get the dogs out the water, things like that. I mean, there was a video where a dog just harassed the living bejesus out of a hammerhead shark and the shark was just like, oh, God, get away from me. So a lot of times the shark's not going to attack. It's not going to understand what's going on. I just said attack, bite. There we go. It's not going to bite, and it's just going to go about its day. So, of course, once again, not to scare you guys, just trying to give you tips. That way you can be safer, uh, and that way if anything happens, you guys know what to do and know how to avoid it in the first place. But that is what I had for the shark safety bit of this week. Uh, if you guys have any suggestions or any topics you want me to cover, once again, hit me up on the social medias. You can slide to my DMs there and ask any questions that you have or suggest anything like that. And also let me know if you want me to say who you are or not. But lastly, I do have shark news for you guys. Now, this week I went kind of lighthearted with it. I usually have... Or I tend to have a sadder story where someone gets bit, but this week, don't worry, nobody gets bit, so that's really, really exciting. <laughs> but the first one that I have is hunting for shark teeth is easy and addictive, enthusiasts say. This is by ABC7 in Sarasota. This was a pretty neat read, very quick, but rather informative. Now, the title pretty much covers everything you need to know about this article. You can find shark teeth no matter which beach you're on, but busier areas always tend to be picked through. So, of course, once again, if you're going to Clearwater Beach, um, Daytona Beach, Ocean City, uh, either the one in New Jersey or Maryland, any of the ones where it's like a very touristy area, uh, California, like Venice Beach, everything like that out there, I believe, is the big one. I've never been to the West Coast. I'm sorry if I'm butchering which beach you guys have out there. But, <laughs> of course, when you guys get out there, the, it's probably not going to have a whole lot of options for you because there's going to be a lot of people. So the more people that are there, less likely you are to find teeth. But the more secluded areas, so like Calvert Cliff State Park in Maryland, is a great place to go. And there's a Venice Beach in Florida that they mentioned in the article that said it's going to have a lot of good teeth to find. 
Now, another neat thing about looking for shark teeth is that you don't need to have a lot of tools or anything like that. So you don't have to go buy a sifter, you don't have to buy a shovel, you don't even need a pail. You can simply just look with your eyes or even dig with your hands as a lot of times the teeth are going to sink under the sand. So you, you have to look a little bit deeper than just surface level. Another great thing is that people always wonder, well, what if I pick it up? Am I going to get hurt? Well, it's not attached to a shark anymore, and there's really nothing that it can do to... At most, it's going to poke you the same way that a sharp shell would, but with this one, you just got to be a little bit careful. Uh, I mean, it's the same thing as picking up a shell, so as long as you don't grab it and jab yourself with it, you should be okay, and also don't jab your friends with shark teeth either. A little fun fact, actually, that this just triggered in my ADHD brain is that uh, Native Americans that were on the coast of the United States uh, before all the colonists and everyone came in would actually use shark teeth that they found for arrowheads and things like that because they were durable and they already were in the right shape. So they would just fasten them to a stick of some kind and utilize them as a tool, which was really neat when I learned it. And I don't know why it just popped back in my head, but that's pretty awesome. But it's really easy to do. Uh, anyone can do it. They even said in the article, anyone aged one to a hundred, which I feel is kind of rude to anyone that lives over to a hundred because it's kind of like Legos are age like four through 99. So once you hit a hundred, you're not allowed to play with Legos anymore, which rude, but same thing. Yeah, of course, doesn't matter what age you are. You can go anytime you want. As long as you can get some sand, get some teeth, you'll be good. Uh, but, of course, if you guys do go out and find some shark teeth, anything like that, feel free to send them to me. I am more than happy to see them, and I'm actually going to be really excited for you because I myself have found a few. I've never found any big ones, only, like, tiny ones from, like, dogfish and things like that. But I was really excited to find them, too, and my friends always thought they looked like rocks because they're usually fossilized. But it's really neat. I also, uh, whenever I go to the aquarium, I like to look in the tank and see if they have any teeth that have fallen out, which I think is neat. But... I feel like that's the only place they should sell shark teeth. Sorry, that's another digression. But if you find, like, shark teeth at a souvenir shop, I personally wouldn't buy them because you don't really know how they found them. They could have found them on a beach, or they could have killed the shark and then ripped its teeth out, and that's horrible. I said this would be lighthearted. I went dark rather quickly, but <laughs> I apologize. Now, that is the first story that I had. And the second one is a little bit closer to home, and this is Great White Shark Tracked Off the New Jersey Coast. And this is by Pix11 Morning News. And honestly, I love hearing that there are sharks near my state. Like, I'm 100% not going to go see this shark because I'm not going to New Jersey anytime soon. That's not a dig at New Jersey. I just don't have any plans to go there. And also, I'm not searching for shark teeth out in the ocean or a shark in the ocean as well. But my brain still goes, oh, sick. A shark is kind of close to me, and that's rad. But this article is only three sentences long. So I conveniently got their information from O-Search as well. I was able to look at this guy on the trackers. Now, from the article, I got that an over 10-foot great white was tracked off the coast of New Jersey, that it weighed over seven or about 700 pounds, and that it was tagged pretty close to New Jersey. That's really all I got from that article. So I went back and then went on the app and did a little bit more information. Now, the shark's name is Hallie, and she's exactly 10.2 feet long. She weighs 697 pounds or 316 kilograms, so she is a biggin. The wild thing is that she's also just a juvenile, so she's going to grow bigger and habitat that same area over the years. She will migrate as the temperature changes, as most sharks tend to do. She got her name from the people of Halifax, Nova Scotia, due to their welcoming nature for the O-Search team. Excuse me. 
She's rather active and pings quite frequently. Now, the O-Search, uh, excuse me, the O-Search team is currently stationed just south of Nags Head, North Carolina, to tag more sharks in the area. And their goal, as I believe I mentioned earlier, if not new fact, they want to tag 100 sharks off the east coast of the continental United States, which I think is awesome. I believe their latest number is they were up to 75. So they only have about 25 to go which is really cool. Once again, of course, you can download the O-Search shark tracking app. That is a weird tongue twist twister. <laughs> but the O-Search shark tracking app, both on uh, iPhone and Android, I believe it's on Google as well. Uh, but you guys can download it there for free, and you get to track uh, sharks, sea turtles, dolphins, uh, anything like that. It's mostly on the east coast of the United States and then over in Australia and New Zealand. They are hoping to expand further, as I have heard, but there might be other apps out there as well that will help to find all that good stuff, too. But that is what I have for this episode. So thank you guys once again for listening. And of course, follow along on all the social media if you'd like to participate, uh, gather around, anything like that. And of course, send any comments, questions, anything like that. Send in any shark teeth that you found. And give us a rating on Apple or Spotify. Share with anyone who will listen. And you guys take care, and I will see you in the next one.